Welcome to Two Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. This is it. This is the big episode everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. Season four, episode 11, when they ditch the HTTP status codes mm-hmm. and they just go with a random name. Exit. Exit. This is the first one in the season that was not a status code. Uh, don't know what it means. It's it's a very different episode, I guess. Uh, it's not super different. We had that alpha episode a couple of seasons ago. Sure. After having watched this episode, what do you think? So I, you know, uh, I guess I feel a lot of times when these shows, these big mystery box shows are coming up to the conclusion, I get a little gripped up because, you know, I've invested a lot of years of my life mm-hmm. uh, and I invested a lot of hours of my time making this podcast, researching stuff, responding to voicemails. So I like to see the effort pay off. And when I was watching, like there is a point where I got completely engrossed in uh, the White Rose Elliott's uh, duel. And I thought that was an amazing bit of writing and something to kind of like a statement from the show that I've kind of been waiting. Like, what the fuck do you, what is your, what's your prescription for us as people? You know, I felt like I got that moment and then it blew up and faded to red. And I'm like, shit, wow, that's a crazy <laughs> episode. Sam Esmail really fucking swung for the fences. I can't wait to see what's nice. The episode's not over. Yeah. And then we got this watch. crazy off the wall through the looking glass. Uh, you know, F society, F F Corp E society mm-hmm. uh, episode, and I'm like, you know what? This might be a mess at the end of the day, but I respect the fact that he is appearing to just go for it. Mm-hmm. Like every, it's still with two episodes to go. Like you know, one big movie long length episode. Mm-hmm. Everything is still on the table. There's time travel there if you want it. There's alternate dimensions there if you want it. There's mm-hmm. simulation theory if you want it. There's, it's all in his fucked up like you know Russian nesting <laughs> doll mind of his. Like yeah, and I I I I, I kind of I really dig it. And there's been so many Easter eggs and stuff that people have pulled out of from like season one mm-hmm. that were hinting at like musical cues. Uh, the fact that, that there was a, a poster where the E logo was in rainbow, just like this. Like, there's so many things that, that, that he seemingly has planted from the beginning that I'm excited to see what happens. I, uh, you know, like it might not quite live up to our expectations, but I respect for the fact that this guy is going for something audacious. What do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think from the beginning, Sam Esmail has had the end in mind, which is always, in my opinion, going to make a better show. Uh, and he, he said, I, I think he said as much about the last two episodes or one long episode being essentially the movie he wanted to create when he came up with the idea for the Mr. Robot concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that this series has all been leading up to this. The, the, the last two episodes were going to be that. So <laughs> yeah, I guess the question remains, what is what is Sam Esmail's storytelling style? Because I feel like this has not been the storytelling yet. Mm-hmm. Like we're still waiting for Sam Esmail to unveil the storytelling mm-hmm. uh, that he's actually been doing or building to. Yeah. And I, it's weird to feel this sort of uh, just lost at sea in a show this close to the end of it. I don't think I've ever gotten this far into a show and been like, I honestly have no idea which direction this is going to go. Right. And there yeah. are three possibilities. I couldn't pick one if I yeah. had to. Uh-huh. 
uh, and and every single it's funny because you look on Reddit and basically every comment ends with I guess we'll have to wait and see till next yeah. week. Yeah, <laughs> you know, five more days until we know. Right, and it's like yeah, that's all you can do because I feel like every time somebody points out a fact that like pushes it in a direction, somebody points out another fact and pushes it back the other way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that leads me. Yeah, it, it leads me excited, I guess, for the end, just to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, I think. Um... Yeah, it's 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 just really excited to it, it's exciting to be at this stage where it's because I can think of a lot of places where I've been with uh, shows where I didn't know where they're going this close to the end, but I was more of an impatient like I'm getting sick of this or you know I can't believe they're going in this direction. Um, but like yeah, the fact that I'm this engaged and it's been this long and you, you mentioned because well cause I, I normally know what style of show I'm watching. I know right. if it's a sci-fi. I know if it's a yeah. Uh, uh, psycho thriller. I know yeah. if it's what it is. This show, I don't know what it is yet. This is like five minutes till the end of the Matrix, and Neo just gets out of the goo yeah. vat. Like what the right? And and, and he, I don't know if the goo vat is in his head or if right. it's real or if sure. he's in a simulation. Like uh-huh. can't trust this Morpheus guy. Right. I, th- th- so Sam Asmail said at the end of season one that like at the end of the day you'll properly understand all of season one to be the prologue of the story he actually wants to tell and I remember you know I've I've got podcasts to this effect I'm like okay this seems like bullshit but whatever we'll see Um, Mm -hmm. it now feels like the entire series has been a prologue to properly understand this 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 thing it's like the world's largest and most elaborate rocket to uh-huh. shoot the smallest payload into space, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is it's... Elon Musk shooting a Tesla into space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like getting the Saturn V and launching a shoebox mm-hmm. into orbit. Yeah. Because um, there's just two hours of television, but I don't think that that's unfair. You know, like... Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm trying to... It's, that's what's going to be really fascinating when we see this these next two episodes this weekend. Um, I'm going to be looking to see, like, I wonder with another 15 minute like prologue like or, or what you could do to make this into an actual movie event i mean i have no f- because I, like is that it sounds crazy that the yes. the final thing's going to end up to, with a movie that he's had envisioned the entire time this is like a this is like a giant could, sabo round to deliver this thing right like, could i even understand that movie without the context of four seasons of television yeah yeah can you imagine it's like like you know people complained about like uh um uh the the dune movie that who's your least favorite david director? lynch yeah, yeah david lynch dune movie Ugh. it's like god you had to read like all the dune books to understand the dune movie it's like yeah get a load of this watch 40 hours of television to be able to properly have the context of to this be fair hour. it takes 40 hours to read dune at least <laughs> oh yeah all of them but, but yeah. certainly all of them but it's but i i think there is if you can do that well, it's just going to make that a hell of a movie. Yeah. Because the problem with the movies is they only have two hours to build an emotional connection yeah. to the characters and build the stakes. Like, we have emotional connection to Elliot and his crew out to Wazoo. Mm-hmm. We've got stakes that are like, you know, could be anywhere from like the fate of the world to the fractured identity of this person we care about. Yeah. Um, you know, lives are at stake. Uh, I just like, when White Rose blew her brains out, I like yelped. Like I couldn't I'm like I just couldn't fucking believe it. Like that's the most audacious thing. Like Darth Vader like running his lightsaber through his chest uh, uh-huh. right before the, the Emperor fries Luke. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. How can this how how, how what what a gutsy what a gutsy call by Sam Espinel. Yeah. To to do this to us. And and like I said, I'm still completely up in the air. I, I'm happy that I haven't come into this with a ton of expectations. I yeah. do favor definitely that this is going to be 
a little more grounded than like some epic sci-fi yeah. twist at the end. But honestly, if it happens, it happens. I'm yeah. not I'm not super concerned with that. As long as he can deliver an emotionally satisfying end yeah. to the story, I think it'll be all worth it. Yeah, I could. I mean, I'm. I feel bad for the people who are very much like, no, that you you guys are all wrong. This is absolutely how it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and and getting very invested in how this thing ends. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I've tried to avoid doing this entire season is to try to, yeah. like, uh, yeah, and I, I think my coverage has been consistent. Like, I've tried to be very agnostic about how sci-fi this might get, how grounded and real this might be. Because, like, right. honestly, if this is some kind of, like, weird piece of psychotherapy, like, I'd almost almost be willing to accept that like it's all a dream because this show is weird enough that i could see that i mean season four kind of set me up for a sort of you know mind bending uh conclusion to this right like that kind of twist yeah like if he wakes up and he's in krista's office and this has been some intensive psychotherapy or something and Mm -hmm. his dad i i think that's that's a really interesting concept but but man i tell you what as far as the sci-fi thing the thing is is the sci-fi stuff can so neatly be explained by this is a nerdy young man who's had substance abuse problems and he's got mental illness and he's been emotionally sexually abused uh, physically abused. Uh, this is just his way of like coping. Like all these fantasies and his the the the, the things that he grew up in. He's incorporating into this 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 story to tell himself to make sense of the world. Uh-huh. You know, and there's a lot of hints to that. And we're we're going to talk about. I this mean, episode. him being in jail and thinking he's in his mother's house. Exactly. Is like one. it's almost like that part of season. Like it'd be a, incredible if that like got part of the season two that we hate is redeemed because it's essentially a hit that Sam Asmail took to like teach us a language that he's going to you know tell the finale in. Right. I was joking when I said this is the episode everyone has been waiting for because of the name. Hmm. But this is the episode everyone's been waiting for. Tyrell's alive. He is. If Angela's only alive. in some imagined alternate sci-fi universe, mm-hmm. Tyrell is alive. Are you happy? Are you happy, fans? He's who home for Christmas. If only in your could dreams. not get their head around Camus' writings. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> a death howl was actually just a teleporter whine opening to oh, suck him into right. the new. Right. He got teleported into an alternate universe. I mean. As we will discuss, there is something to like death being a transition to the new world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some compa- there's some sure. really interesting stuff around uh, Elliot's dad vis-a-vis that theory. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're either going to just all theory talk. Or we're going to have to get into the episode. Let's do it. Housekeeping. This housekeeping is all about saying Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. First off, Merry Christmas because we're right in the middle of our Mary McAllister McLeanmas 2 Christmas Harder celebrations. Last week, of course, we took in Larry the Cable Guy's misguided sequel to the Arnold Schwarzenegger flop, Jingle All the Way 2. Again, much like Home Alone 2 before it, the video podcast on this one is a must-see and exclusive to club members. This week, it's Die Hard 2's turn for the treatment. Bruce Willis trades in his white wife beater for a cozy Christmas sweater as all hell breaks loose at Dulles International Airport. In the immortal words of Ace News reporter Richard Thornburg's producer, Dick, this is nuts! We get a live watch, a podcast, and a video podcast dropping this Wednesday. Next week, it's Christmas, and on Christmas Eve, we'll drop one last gift podcast for our club members, a podcast for a beloved Christmas classic. I won't spoil the surprise. You're just going to have to wait for Santa. And we're also wrapping up a lot of things this week. Watchmen, put to bed. Mr. Robot, staying up past its bedtime with a double episode next weekend, which we'll cover after Christmas. Cecily and Alexis are wrapping up his dark materials the day after Christmas because what can I say? They just love you all that much. 
Jim and I will be watching a lot of Expanse over the breaks. So we can come back and talk it up in the new year. Speaking of, our early lineup for 2020 looks like it's going to have a lot of Picard, the new Pope, and Better Call Saul in it. And of course, somewhere out there, Westworld Season 2 awaits with Aaron Paul. I'm excited, but before all that, we're taking a week or so off to celebrate with our friends and family. So in conclusion, have a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy Holidays, and a wonderful New Year. Uh, we go back to the night of the hack with the FBI. Well, <laughs> which hack? The the hack that finally takes down the dance right. group and transfers all their money to the people. Uh, with the FBI raiding White House, uh, White Rose's house, her goons win the battle, and she's escorted out by them. We kind of don't see much here, um, it, although it is carnage in her house. I, it's I, very scarface. FBI agent didn't follow bald move rule number two. Play dead. Like I get it. You're in a lot of pain. Got a sucking chest wound, but mm-hmm. you know what sucks worse than a chest wound? A shot to the fucking head. Yeah, Dom's living proof. You, you got to survive that, the chest yeah, wound. Yeah, you got to keep that wheeze to yourself, man. Right. Uh, you know, the, I, I did think it's funny that White Rose gives this because I first thought I'm like, oh, she's actually saying something like a warning that the fbi would take like that he's or you know this guy's dead or whatever but no she's just she's just flexing on life in general Mm -hmm. so yeah she's talking to us the audience yeah i was just looking like how many of her own dudes are dead like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of dudes that got killed in this whole raid and the the people in masks are her dudes the people without masks are yeah yeah but like that's it just goes into like how fanatical that her mm-hmm. her believers are. And yeah, we asked the question like, were the FBI ready? Were, did they know what they were walking into here? Yeah, they, they were strapped fucking... up, ready for fun. They looked like a Counter Strike unit, but they still didn't know what still they were got prepared their ass for. Waxed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they didn't know it was going to be that that crazy and fanatical. Um, right, and yeah, like most, like a lot of these movies and television shows, I always think like. You know, like when I'm playing the Uncharted games, I'm like, man, after the 500th dude in tactical gear that I've killed that's working for this millionaire, like, when did they, like, you know what? I've looked at the compensation, the 401k <laughs> plans, and yeah, this fucking Drake guy's crazy. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I mm. shot him with a grenade launcher. He hid behind a crate for five seconds. He came back and killed my partner. Like, I'm getting the fuck yeah. out of here. I mean, at least in this, it's like they are believers in her project that grants some form of heavenly life sure and she if you can convince it it seems like yeah if you can convince people that their their death is either meaningful or not actually a true death yeah what can can convince them to do do a lot yeah 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 uh that tracks and then we go back to elliot hugging darlene at the the motel as they part ways and Elliot thanks Darlene for never giving giving up on him, even through all the shit he's been through. Uh, yeah, interesting that they show us that perspective that we didn't get from, mm-hmm. um, you know, they cut before and we kind of saw them wide angle as we focused on Dom. Yeah, and it really leads into the discussion he has with White Rose later, right? Yeah. Letting us know that he values the, the, the stick-to-Elliot mentality that Darlene's shown throughout mm-hmm. this whole ordeal. Yeah, the unconditional love. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Robot tells Elliot that he shouldn't go after White Rose's machine. They need to leave. Uh, Elliot's already written this malware to take down the machine, and he's hell-bent on destroying White Rose. And Mr. Robot says, look, this is an endless war. We need to move on. But uh, Elliot sees his family looking on, and he tells Mr. Robot to go with him so he can do this one on his own. 
there's a couple things here, like as because we've we've talked about as much as I like this season, some of the tech details have been sloppy. Uh-huh. I don't, can't imagine a hack that you could do to a nuclear facility that would take decades to to recode, re- recode, reprogram. Even if you like did yeah. something physical, like wrecked centrifuges or whatnot, it's still it's like decades. I don't know. So I think what he's doing here, uh, if I. If I saw the hack correctly, I didn't go back and look at this. I just uh-huh. caught it on first viewing. Uh, but I think he's doing effectively the same thing he did on Five Nine, which is encrypting all their code mm-hmm. and then d- just storing it somewhere, right? Like, yeah. So that they they can have access to it, which means they have to recode the entire project from scratch, likely. Hmm. Uh, you know, in as much as as they couldn't just pull up the records of the Five Nine stuff. That, that's at least what I got. He, he did a lot of unzipping uh, up of stuff and encrypting and packaging and all that stuff. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing is that when they did the 5.9 hack, the first thought is, well, they'll restore from backup. Yeah. And then season two is like, oh, shit, they can out. restore from backup. You got to take out the backup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like if this is so like it's weird, like Elliot did the 5.9 hack and then realized the folly of the 5.9 hack and yeah. had to do it over again. So, like, in the same world, we see him essentially outline the exact same strategy would have the exact same flaw. But I guess maybe that plays into Mr. Robot's part. There'll always be a mission. There'll always be an unforeseen circumstance. Uh, So, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely telling him that here. Yeah. It just, just like, it's one of those things where, like, I just don't understand the hack well enough and the technology. It's just, that, that seemed, that seemed a little Pollyanna to me. Yeah. Uh, So then... Elliot takes the bus to Washington Township and he sees several white vehicles racing away from the power plant and this whole place has been hastily and messily abandoned, it appears. Uh, he searches the place. He's, he's not seeing anybody there. Uh, he's looking for a terminal to jack into and then he finds one. He runs the malware. He's won. Everything is great except he sees a body and the cops show up and, oh yeah, the Dark Army's there too. Great musical choice throughout these episode. This episode, yeah, uh, Heroes and the Villains movie. by the Beach Boys. Um, first time I heard that song, me too. W- was well, no, I said the first oh. time I heard the song was uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's a Wes Anderson pull. Oh, really? It's in there. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, okay. And I thought it it it's it's a cool song as it changes like tempo and stuff at mm-hmm. various times and slows down and kind of is a little melancholy. And they play with that as you know they kind of narrate. And they make a meal of his transition from wherever they are in Connecticut to Washington Township uh, power plant. But so this is the first this is the first evidence that we're being fucked with. The Elliot shows up to the scene. He sees people hightailing it out. Mm-hmm. But he goes and looks at a guard shack where it's been ransacked, but there's no bodies. He goes in the lobby and everything's been torn up and, you know, the toss, but there's no bodies. And he just kind of blissfully goes, almost with a sm- like a, a weird kind of smile on his face with the hack. Mm-hmm. As soon as it completes, then he sees bodies. And as we parade him through the facility to the White Rose interrogation, there's bodies everywhere. Yeah. What happened? So well, let me throw uh, another wrinkle onto this. Okay. White Rose says later in this episode that the machine was already on at this point. Yes. Before he ran the malware, the machine was on. Yeah. She, she did so, the Ozymandias thing. Here's here's <laughs> the explanation that I guess... Okay, one of the explanations, and I'm not sure where I fall in this because uh-huh. I don't know where I fall in the vast majority of this episode. Uh, one of the explanations is that this is 
sort of a Mr. Robot-esque state that he's in, um, trying to essentially protect his mission. And if he saw all these bodies, and if he saw the carnage here, he might be scared off it. Yeah, because he's... he's... And so, so his mind saying... is not showing him the bodies that are there. So who who did that shielding? Was it the Mr. Robot that was supposed Perhaps. to sit it out? Or was it the third? Because I, I, I saw speculated that like the third persona, the mysterious persona, the one that like... Mm-hmm takes vera in stride is the one who you know kind of shielded because they they knew that elliot with that mr robot wouldn't be able to go through with the the Hmm. the wading through the carnage he'd have to to get to that that goal and like i was even like in the first time i was watching like where are the fucking cops yeah like there's this like and i thought it was weird that there's no bodies because it seemed like there should be but I'm like, well, fuck i don't know how many people work in a power plant maybe it's like 12 or 13 people and we just haven't seen them yet but like, yeah, uh, I, I I I saw that something was wrong, and then you know, as soon as he installs the mal- malware, is it, the the cops show up and all uh, hell breaks loose? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that they're also suggesting that we're already in some sort of simulated state, and this is kind of like when yeah, you know, how shit in the Matrix happens weird, where like you're supposed to understand that the pill Neo takes is actually a tracing program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some very matrixy stuff going on here too. Which... Yeah, like the code that he, the malware to disrupt the machine might have done something to the actual simulation he's running on. If you want to go with that right. theory, and that's what's causing the the chaos and upheaval. I saw that theory. I'm I'm less I'm less on board with the simulation stuff. Yeah. Um, because that to me does not seem like a true different world, like a parallel universe, which is what White Rose calls it. Mm-hmm. But White so, Rose is not above lying to people, like. Yeah, if she's a, she can shoot herself in a simulation just so. But to what end? Like because this is her project, and she wants her lover back. She doesn't want a simulation to fool her into thinking that she's Unless got she her lover back. Unless she believes simulation is the real thing. I mean, she's also kind of crazy. But I so yeah, that the thing that, is, I guess it d- feels deluded, like you're a- certainly it feels it feels like you're advocating the position, um, which you may or may not be that a parallel reality that you can jump through with a machine is l- more probable than a simulation. Given the nature of the machine that we've seen, right? It's, it's mm. a particle accelerator of some kind. What does a particle accelerator get you for a simulation? I don't really Unless know how it gets you about into some... another dimension either, but is uh, it just like in, in a random sci-fi sense of like, hey, we're right. fantastic energies. And... If you want to connect the dots with a very large Hadron Collider of, okay. of some kind and okay. black holes and extra dimensions and uh, I see. alternate universes, there's there's more connective tissue okay. there right. than there yeah. is to I like... I think you've won me over. I think okay. you've won me over. Unless it's quantum computer, you know. Uh, see? And then, <laughs> I know, man. That's why That's why you can't really... Uh, now you talk me right down. back out. Uh, simulation theory for life. Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm, do? I don't like. I I really am agnostic. I'm just pointing out like possible yeah. explanations and weird shit that we're supposed to notice. Um, right. We're talking about. We we can talk about his slow, you know, very cool walk through the facility with uh, fan favorite. Uh, 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 what what are we calling him? Like Intel clean room guy with the oh hamburger burger fetish? guy hamburger guy yeah is what is what I think he's officially called in the credits ah hamburger guy uh yeah. if a hamburger guy got a line I used to call him sandwich guy sandwich guy but I guess hamburger guy is it hamburger guy I can I can rock with hamburger guy uh, uh yeah we're about to get to that you want to they go want to, they to go to, I just want to talk about the corridor that leads up to the room mm-hmm. and they had all these portraits of people that have different colored tape on them did you see the theory about the colors and the dimensions 
Uh, not exactly, but I can tell you who those people are and, and what they did. They're theoretical physicists, right? Yeah, so the first one who's covered in red is Hugh Everett. He's a mini worlds. He, he's a quantum physicist who kind of had a created the many worlds interpretation of the mm -hmm. multiverse mm -hmm. um, or quantum physics in general. Uh, then there's Brian Greene, who's covered in black. Uh, he's a theoretical physicist, a string theorist, and author of a book on on uh, several books on multiverses. Mm -hmm. There's Eugene Wigner, who is white, and he is a theoretical physicist who worked on the Manhattan Project. And at the very end, there's Schrodinger, who is covered in black, and I think you know who that is. Yeah. Um, he's the guy who, uh, you know, has the famous, the uh, Schrodinger's cat theorem. Yeah. He was to, a crazy cat. To, man. Yeah. To describe quantum, quantum states. Yeah. Um, so the, one of the theories goes is that the, the colors that are blacking out these, these gentlemen's faces correspond to different dimensions. Okay. And like who is alive and well in which dimension? Like and the the, the so way that theory three works out overall is dimensions. so we opened up the series against a black background with Elliot uh, monologuing about welcoming us as friends and what to do with us, et cetera, et cetera. And so the entirety of uh, Mr. Robot thus far has taken place in the black dimension, which is like the worst possible timeline, the most dystopic timeline, hmm. and that we just switched midway through this episode to the red dimension. Yeah. That is the, I guess, uh, white rose ascendant dimension or the utopian dimension. And then there's uh, potentially like a white dimension. Um, and there's a potential like I, I think blue is another color. Um, oh, and, was it? Not, nah, not maybe not, not on not on these, but there are black, other white and portraits. red for sure. Um, yeah. And then there's which would tie in nicely with a third altar. Yeah. So I don't think that's very persuasive because it doesn't have a lot of predictive power it's it's kind of like something a game angel was playing like which people like like something she was trying to figure out in her apartment like which people which timeline can i choose to bring the most people back or something like she's color you know sorting mm -hmm. through it but I, I the reason i don't like is because it doesn't have any predictive power at all yeah like there's nothing like that's that's something that tells you something uh, you know like but but what is how do you test a theory you have to make a prediction and see if it holds up and I don't see what the predictive power of that is it's more of a hindsight thing like yeah. once we know once we see the next episode yeah it might it, yeah it we might, might be, be able to go back and say okay this is clear now it might be interesting hindsight kind of thing but it doesn't seem like it's it's helping us figure out anything yeah um and I did I went back and I did a lot of looking at like. Angela's interview scene because mm -hmm. um, we're about to get to an interview scene here with Elliot and the similarities and the differences mm -hmm. and one of those similarities is as they walk her down the halls of the room where she's interviewed in all this those, random suburban home all the people's faces are, are colored in black red and white yeah so it's it's not just I think you sort of have to throw out the scientist part of this like it doesn't mm -hmm. have anything to do with these people being theoretical physicists or people's faces. multiverse theorists it's just, yeah, like the key here is the faces are covered in colors mm -hmm. and I don't know how to unlock that door. Uh, anything before you completely move on to the interrogation or the psychology quiz or the choice, uh, what'd you make of the 1950s style billboard? I didn't really look into those. I don't, I, there wasn't much like commentary on it. It's just a weird thing that I think you're supposed to notice. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. like almost a back to the future yeah. era, like 1955. Look at our power plant. It's going to be the power of the future. Mm -hmm. And, but it looks pristine. Like it was just installed the other day. So it's like, is this the Washington township power plant being retro with their marketing? Or is this another kind of like time fuckery type of thing that we're supposed to, mm -hmm. I don't know. 
The machine was already on. The machine is already point. on. It's been running for four seasons. Yeah. Stop. It, it might have been. Who knows? Uh, okay, yeah. So Hamburger Guy takes Elliot to see White Rose, and they have a conversation here where Elliot says, this brainwashing shit's not going to work. White Rose says, it's not brainwashing shit. It's uh, about coming to an understanding. And it's going to totally work and just give me 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and and they do come to an understanding during the scene of each other, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they argue about their motivations. Uh, White Rose... When Elliot uh, accuses her of hating people, White Rose laughs in his face and says, no, you're the one who hates society. Look at the look at the name of your group. Uh, Elliot admits, yes, that's true, I did. And now he's coming around on it. Um, and she, she kind of seems, I, I don't know, like dislodged by his argument a bit, mm-hmm. like by, by the passion with which he sort of delivers, which if you can call that passion from Elliot, uh, oh, I think which, which so. He like when he that. corked that, like that, fuck you. His eyes widened yeah. so briefly that I thought they would exceed the already impressive structural integrity of his eye sockets. I think, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like oh my right. god, he was within one millimeter of this him shooting the fuck out of his skull. Uh-huh. But it's like, it maybe, yeah, it was incredible performances by both of them. Oh, th- this scene is amazing. Uh, and I kind of want to just. Like B.D. Wong, the like the things that he's doing are very hard, like vocally, um, just body language wise, because mm-hmm. uh, he's trying to sell a very smart and I think sympathetic. Like what White Rose is trying to do is what I've been saying for like this whole season. Like I'm not sure that when we hear her plan, we're not we can't step back and be like, oh. All right, that actually yeah. sounds like a pretty good plan. It's just the way you're going about it is horrific. Still a sympathetic villain. A sympathetic villain yeah. in the same way that <laughs> like Magneto, like hero. as a non-mutant, I can see Magneto's point. I still don't right. want him to enslave me as a as a as non-mutant, but exactly. uh, you know, he's had a pretty put upon life and he's had a lot of unfortunate historical uh, events happen to him. So yeah. I I I thought it was incredible um the vocal work that he does mm-hmm. like you know the way he distinguishes the white rose from the zhang is incredible and it continues to be so and the rapid fire whiplash run of emotion that he has to do is yeah. is as incredible as anything that Joaquin Phoenix did in Joker and oh, you know yeah. he's getting Absolutely. tons of praise for that and like, there's a couple things I thought were just chilling. Like when she goes, you know, don't make me laugh. The second time she do- uh, says, don't make me laugh and um, throws in F society in his face. The Or when he, she goes from, um, it's it's the point where she goes from, um, don't make me laugh to on the contrary, my people, uh, my love for people drives me. She goes from like unhinged kind of joker to like all business and deadly serious and like oh, yeah. a heartbeat and it's it's fucking amazing. I mean this this scene is an exercise in like uh stillness and chaos in calm and and ferocity, right? Like mm-hmm. the the balance of power here switches back and forth multiple times in this scene. Yeah. Um and and, and Elliot who I'm not used to in the presence of White Rose seeming like the anchor, the rock mm-hmm. of a scene here very much feels like it. Yeah. Until we get to the end where White Rose sort of attempts to, whether she's successful or not, I don't know, take that power back uh, and and show him what she's been trying to show him all along, what she showed Angela. Mm-hmm. 
I love the dynamics in this scene. It's incredible. And I thought that there's a point in the middle of White Rose's argument where she's like, you know, we're told constantly by our leaders, by our scientists, by religious authorities that our world is crumbling around us and it's our fault. We're to blame. Yeah. And we are filled with so much self-hatred that hating yourself is no longer considered like a weird trait, but like a given. Mm -hmm. And when I look at like, especially like young people in line and how like the 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 black humor that they engage in the like the joking about suicide and depression it reminds me of like 50s and 60s area like soviet block humor <laughs> you know like when things okay. are like you are so fucking down in the hole and it's in it's it's in, in it's inconceivable to see your lot in life materially changing mm -hmm. um I just like I thought it's like God. That's an astute point because I certainly believe that psychologically, like self hatred is bad, yeah. and yet like we're just bombarded with images and things about how we're fucking things up, and it's it's unfortunate yeah. that they're very difficult to hear, um, and they're all very true, and I don't think we as people are designed to deal with like the weight of seven billion people and the whole planet like resting on our shoulders. Like, yeah, the, that's, that's the way above species, the pay grade of a monkey. We we have multiplied faster than our society has evolved, mm. essentially. Yeah, yeah. And we're desperately trying to catch up. Yeah, there's this. Uh, just uh, isn't as a famous like either physicist or science fiction writer quote of like our our technological progress has exceeded our moral and ethical progress. Probably. Like, yeah. I feel like our social technology is definitely kind of lagged lagged further behind. But yeah, I, I thought that was a great. And then uh, Elliot, um, you know, you're like, wow. Pfft strong case against uh, <laughs> humanity there let's hear it for the 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 defense and uh i thought elliot rose to the occasion uh talking well, about the healing power of love and how yeah yeah i mean we're all fucked up but we also try and you know that's going to happen no matter what and we're yes you're right we're told we don't stand a chance but still we stand right I mean, and and neither of them are wrong in this scene it's just how do they approach the 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 solution yeah to this problem. And I think Elliot, <laughs> Elliot has taken White Rose's route before, you know, make refashion the world in, in a way that you think is going to be more pleasant for you and the people around you. Uh, and he's seen the folly of that. Yeah. You mentioned something about her being emotionally set back. Um, I think it's like what she says is that I thought she thought that they were on the same side. Yeah. That when Elliot... That like, he would just understand this intuitively. Yeah. That like, I don't... This this is as soon as I explain it from my point of view, you're going to be like, oh, God, of course. Mm -hmm. And she was genuinely disappointed that uh, that wasn't the case. Now, but it's weird because like, is that also part of the brainwashing? It's a fair question because there's a lot of shit that goes on in Angela's... Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about like... Interview? Because, like, Angela reached a point where she's like, no, fuck this. I'm not uh -huh. going to go along with it. And they threatened to beat the little girl to get her to well, comply with the interview. Right. And then they had to come in and say, well, that's all. That was all a sham. That was all manipulation uh -huh. to get you to just cooperate with the interview so we could tell whether you're a candidate or not. Right. So what is White Rose doing to Elliot to get him to cooperate with her little test? Like, right. is this whole meltdown it could uh, very well be part on. of it. Like you look at Angela's in interrogation interview, let's call it, uh, and she's got the ticking clock, right, of this fish tank leaking. And you know what's a bigger, badder ticking clock is a nuclear meltdown <laughs> about to happen, right? And you think the only way to save it is to play this game. What do you think, what do you make about her saying, the reason I wanted to move my project is because the proximity here is limited. Mm -hmm. I took it to whatever she was trying to do in the Congo would potentially affect the entire world 
what she's doing here at Washington Township is going to affect a radius of a few, maybe a hundred miles or so. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact radius. I think you're just yeah. Guessing, it's just, it's just more like, local in scale. Not the but whole. But she's like tired of waiting. She was going to try to save the whole world, but fuck it, yeah. she'll go with what she's got. She'll she'll take ever. But I don't know how the fuck does that work. So one person's paradise is another person's hell. True. How do you? So you can't put everybody into a single parallel universe that would be good for everyone right that's what that's what the robots learned in the matrix our human primitive human minds rejects paradise so sure sure yeah so if that's true which i think it is then how do you you have to put everyone into their own parallel paradise universe right yeah i don't know do you think it's actually impossible to create a utopia that like I get that not everybody will accept it because you're always going to have like the truly deranged, like messed up in the head, Jeffrey Dahmer types, mm-hmm. maybe less of them if you have a utopia. But like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like you could you could create a utopia where 95 percent of the people would accept and be cool with. Like, it's all about resources and, and having enough of them and distributing Is it them. because beliefs come into that, too? And I think, like, when we're talking about Mr. Robot... Yeah, but here's the thing I noticed believe, about... Like, you, okay, let's try and construct a utopia that will satisfy everyone right. at the end of this show. I, I'm going to suggest something. It can't be done. Um, what if everyone's standard of living, minimum standard of living, was about seventy to 80000 U.S. dollars a year? Because that's about mm-hmm. where consistently studies show that beyond that much money making per individual... You don't get in. You don't get a commiserate increase in happiness. Like that's what mm-hmm. it takes to essentially be secure amongst yourself and make sure you have access to healthcare, a decent education, housing. Uh, for most, you know, not every place. Like that's not going to do you in San Francisco or Manhattan, but it do you really good in the Midwest and a lot of the South and a lot of rural places. What if everyone in the planet had that kind of like? Yeah. Who says no to that? Uh, the people who want more would say no to that. So I'm just saying, like, so would that get like 99% of the world's population, and you just spin off the, the the Bill Gateses and the Bezoses off into their own instance where they can play cutthroat billionaire <laughs> oh, with each God. other? Uh, sure, sure. It's weird though because I guess the limit the limitation here is who are you trying to to help? Because if you're spinning people off into parallel universes where their fantasies come true, but everyone mm-hmm. else suffers, then and and at the same time you're spinning you're spinning other people off into one where everyone's happy except for the one percent who desperately want more and can't get it. Mm-hmm. You're setting up two two universes here that help the people in your universe prime, let's call it right. Mm-hmm. But you're making the a good portion of people in those other two universes you've created miserable. So aren't you just compounding the problem by creating more universes in which more people are miserable? I don't know. I, I just thought it was an interesting question because like I I feel like a lot of people just accept the matrix thesis that humans won't accept a perfect life mm-hmm. as as like, well, of course we won't because you know we're fucked up. Why would we? But I'm like, I don't know. Because like there's a lot of research that says there is like once once you start meeting people's like basic needs, like a lot of the like for truly fanaticism, like people that are like you make a person comfortable, they're a lot less likely to strap on a vest to blow themselves up or yeah. shoot up a clinic or, For sure. you know, uh, make some kind of political stance with a gun. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. It's like if, if there's a way that you could organize society to guarantee everyone had that, 
Uh, and it's, it's kind and of tight. Of course, that would be that, right. that'd be a way to go. If it's, I was creating a simulation, maybe that's where I'd start. And I mean, it's it's tied in with the stuff that Elliot says, or you know, whoever the fuck this happy Elliot is. Yeah. Well, there's things the, you, you said something like, he says it like it's both the worst thing right. and the best thing about my life is that I'm in this boring routine. Yeah, because he also said something about like people's fantasies coming true, and it's like I. Is White Rose promising people's fantasies or like she's like because her fantasy is that she gets to be the person she wants to be mm. and love the person she wants to love. I don't think that's a fantasy. That seems like a very imminently reasonable request that sure, would sure. be super easy to fulfill if people would just let it happen. Like all that needs to happen in society is for people to allow that to happen and she gets her dream. I guess I'm I'm using fantasies there when I shouldn't be. Probably desires is more. Well, but no, what I'm saying apt. is like because like. There again, like if everyone is comfortable and no one had to scrap for an existence, would people care a lot less about people breaking the rules and, you know, bucking the system and fucking things up for everybody if everybody was just getting along? I don't know. Sure, but how long does that last? Like, how long does the kumbaya moment last? As long as people keep getting paid. <laughs> does it? I mean, yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I kind of do think if people's bellies were full and they had a roof over their heads and they had some entertainment and uh, community options that they found fulfilling, that that's going to that, that take care of a lot of the world's problem. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe people need more. Maybe there needs to be more striving. And but like, I don't know why that can't be in terms of knowledge and craftsmanship and relationships with other people. But I guess like, OK, let's assume all that is true. Uh huh. How do you how do you find that parallel universe? How do you? I think she's constructing narrow it down. It. How do you like? Do you use? That's what things like this parallel universe seems cuckoo to me. Like mm -hmm. it, it's like I don't know which one is more plausible, the simulation or because you're right. Like I guess my idea is that she was creating something. Like she's creating a perfect world, and it's mm -hmm. not perfect in the sense that like it's tailored to everyone. It's 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 perfect in the sense that these companies seem like they actually take the public trust seriously yeah. and they take things like customers satisfaction and safety seriously. And they're not trying to just make a buck and, and like Tyrell's, I, I, I interpreted his unease as like, we've got something fragile and special here. And all it would take is like one person to be greedy and fuck it up. And how do you guarantee that no one's going to do that? Um, and maybe that's the, the, like the whole thing is like a humanity eventually reverts to the mean. I mean, that's yeah. Like how, how do you preserve that Kumbaya moment? That's, well, yeah, how do you keep people there? from like, taking over and like taking more than their fair share? Yeah. And then you, you got the whole problem. I don't know. Yeah, the people who desire more are going to strive toward that. Every other week on three right turns on the Swizzbold <laughs> Network, I consider these questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> I promise that wasn't a, a stealth ad, but hey, okay. here we are. Uh, let's get let's get back to the scene. Uh, so unable to convince Elliot that she's correct, she has to show him. Mm -hmm. uh, and in order to do this, she pulls out a gun and shoots herself in the head. And then the meltdown starts. Uh, Elliot has to play this game in the computer room. Uh, uh -huh. He runs out of time, sort of. I don't know. He he solves the problem, but then the reactor goes off anyway, and Elliot and Mr. Robot both die mm -hmm. in a fade to red. I'm Man, if I'm Sam Esmail, okay. Let me ask you what you think about this, and I don't know that I have a great answer to this question. Okay. Do you think... That a show that deals with such sensitive and extraordinarily heavy topics as as abuse and fragile mental states should depict a suicide that can that can cure all your ills. Because uh, if I'm Sam Esmail, I'm very nervous about this fucking scene. 
Well, yeah, especially since the and they we, did not we had, put a warning on this one. You're right, nor any like help because I um hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess in universe it wasn't depicted as a suicide though; it was depicted as some kind of transition. But that's the scary. That's the that's the scary part. part. Yeah, to me is is people might buy into this idea who are in fragile mental states and and try to join her there. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I would have at least put a warning on this because he's done it before. He clearly is sure. Conscious like of this I stuff. was just thinking, what happened to Livia? That was an attempted suicide, and is like you know, hey, yeah. they, they had the warning and the the number you can call for help and everything. Yeah, it's a interesting point. Uh, probably not the point that they're trying to get out of here. No, but I think it's There's valid. Probably a lot a lot more to talk about. Uh, so this room, can we just talk about the similarities and differences between Angela's setup? Mm -hmm. Um, so the similarities, it's extremely similar. Um, they both have fish tanks. They both have a, a meaningful book on the table. They both have an old computer, which appears to be the computer they had as a child. Um, they're both visually had, similar had with motivational light posters. Sources. Uh, Angela had to hang in there and yeah, uh, Elliot's Elliot got when life closes a door, open a window or a window opens. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Uh, they both have this very dark, uh, actually it's a black room in both mm -hmm. instances. And then there's a phone on the table for both of them. And a phone is something that could be identical. I don't, I don't see any reason to not make a phone identical unless you're trying to make a point. Angela's phone is red. Mm -hmm. Elliot's phone is blue. It's and that what, got me thinking what color Matrix, dimensions are going through, man. It got me thinking, yeah, like blue pill, red pill, Matrix, ah. like harsh truth versus Angela, comforting illusion Angela accepted the red pill and Elliot took the blue one is what you're going for right yeah but it almost seems to be the like like Angela came away from that with some sort of comforting like blue pill type of numbness right true not a harsh reality of of understanding the truth of the world mm-hmm so I, I don't know where to go with that I just noticed like with all of the other matrix illusions that we've seen in this series, that seems to be yet another one. Well, the crazy thing is that we've got another Elliot running around in the ensuing episode, and right. Angela was such a fundamentally different person in mm -hmm. seasons like three through you know the beginning of four that I think it, you 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 have to question whether she got displaced at some point in that 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 experience with White Rose, and mm -hmm. she turned her into a different person. In the same way that Tyrell is like more Elliot-like in this this uh, F dimension. Yeah, it seems like she might have gone through some experience that Elliot is going through. Yeah, uh, and it's also this, like this, this is this another one-off thing, right? Like the dates were one-off and the, 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 the dimension that we are, the existence that we are familiar with, and now mm -hmm. there's one letter off. It's not E Corp, it's F Corp. Um, yeah, and, and Elliot, when when we talk about, you know, the, the fade to red, uh, happy Elliot mm -hmm. stuff here in a second, he, he comes back on 5-9, the day of the hack, yep. the day that he has time missing. And here he is. The door he, code he was shows five, up nine. at the end of that, right? The door code is 5-9. There's yeah. clearly a lot of connective tissue, but fuck me if I can figure out what it is or if the internet at large can even figure this out, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it seems clear that like if, I mean, it seems clear to me or it makes sense to me that if he had left the game at the state of him leaving the friend that mm -hmm. it would have gone nuclear and then he'd woken up back at a true reboot of the series okay very much like a zion reboot right. kind of thing yeah and and since he chose the empathetic solution he's now in the 
the F world where everything's friendly, the where White Rose is free to be the person she wants to be. She's now a billionaire philanthropist. E Corp is a beloved company that is seen mm -hmm. as a source of stability and prosperity by almost everyone and has the public trust. Um, it seems like our world only um, the world works like we are taught like it does in sixth grade. Like when you take a civics and econ and, and uh, the classes and they teach you like all the checks and balances and how they work properly. And it's a fucking yeah. delicate framework and how economics, how, you know, you how buy genius. low, you sell high and yeah. you know, you have the cost of this and the cost of that. And then you get in the real world and it's like all just, f you know, fucked up and yeah. Um, <laughs> well, buy. I can't fucking buy. I don't have any money. Yeah. Exactly. How am I going to buy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got, they got, you got a pot to piss in, let alone to buy anything. Yeah. So, that seems like what they're going for but then and also that that's it's satisfying from like an alderson loop you know that he's stuck in this loop and how do you mm -hmm. get out of so i guess the question is the so an alderson loop is something where you you put the machine in a state that it can't get itself out of with its present state of code mm -hmm. you know so like did elliot finding out what his father potentially did to him is that going to be a big enough change that he is going hmm. to re like so so what's the end game here? Are we going to reboot again, or is some some new information going to be passed on that's going to get him out of the loop? I mean, if I'm thinking of this in terms of okay, next two episodes are basically a movie. Mm -hmm. What do you need to do in a movie? You need to kind of establish the scenario here, yeah. and I could think you you could do that in sort of an Edge of Tomorrow kind of way, Groundhog Day kind of way, mm -hmm. right? Where you're running through a loop over and over and. You run through it faster and faster, and and we've run through it already once, so we mm -hmm. would understand immediately. Oh, this is a loop. Yeah. And then I've I've seen theories that like w when you look at what Elliot says about um, like thanking Darlene for being there for him uh, throughout all this shit, uh, saying you know the conclusion he comes to about someone being able to love him mm -hmm. is like a this this thing that he couldn't do for himself you sort of get the impression that maybe Darlene is, has more to do with this and the fact that she doesn't get on that plane and she could maybe track him through his phone still or something like that and, and come help him, whether it's in this reality or in an alternate loop she or in an alternate reality. in the new reality. Right, but in some realities she does. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think Elliot is going to stay because Angela doesn't stay in whatever White Rose showed her either, right? She comes back to the Elliot reality the we are in well maybe that's the elliot that maybe that's the angela from the virtuous reality that uh -huh. rejected it and came back to ours okay i i see what you're saying uh, that, I, that could essentially say the same thing I, i'm not thinking I, this sort of, I mean i guess yeah i'm not thinking this sort of perspective of an endless back. loop i'm thinking this is like the first iteration of the loop and that's you know yeah i, I mean if, if elliot continues through a loop and we sort of see it in edge of tomorrow way and then mm -hmm. we can sort of understand how he can break out of that yeah given what we know about his character and the changes he's gone through it, it seems clear to me like the the last 20 minutes of this episode everything from the fade to red could be an easy cold open for a movie mm -hmm. you know like this guy he's just living he's got this weird you know there's this earthquake that's weird in new york he's got headaches and then you know it's like oh his fellow wallet goes missing and his cell phone his dad's cell phone goes missing maybe someone's trying to steal his identity and you mm -hmm. find out it's him from another dimension like that's the end of act one yeah and then i, I so i i'm 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 guessing that the next i, I bet that's because i could see going in and watching a movie like that right now and mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to have all these questions and stuff it's so it's that's true. what i think is happening 
I think there's something to the idea that also Elliot is looping through this game a couple times. Like mm -hmm. he he plays the game, he plays it White Rose's way, mm -hmm. and he escapes on the boat, leaving mm -hmm. his friend behind. And then he goes back through and says, no, 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 that's not where I'm at here. I want to go back and I want to save my friend or or not even save my friend. I want to stay with my friend as the world burns, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and he doesn't exit. And in an episode called Exit, I have to think that's hinting at something. Yeah, no, you're with, right. With a loop type of scenario. But here. just what? You know, I don't know. And is this a mental loop? Is this a physical loop? Sure. Is this a simulated loop? Those every theory is still very much on the table, whether you buy into the loop theory or not. Well, here's the other thing: the loop theory that I think is that 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 really kind of had my jaw dropping. As someone pointed out that in season one, episode one, that the root kit that Darlene made when Elliot re uh, read the readme text file, it says, "Leave me here." <laughs> And now, fuck you, Sam. Right? Fuck you, Sam. And 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 him, because uh, he I, he had I, oh, completely man. forgot that his whole role in that, and he just trusted his F Society thing, which started five nine hack. Yeah. Now he went through and played this game and chose to don't leave me here, and he is living this like upgraded Elliot life where five you know five nine isn't even needed. Every time that means something. That every means time something. someone says fuck you, Sam, uh -huh. an angel on smailcorp.com gets its fucking wings. <laughs> yep. Every time smells loving this yeah yeah no nah, it's like that 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 when i saw that like uh some of his screenshot from the root kit that said leave me here i'm like son of a fucking bitch that's crazy <laughs> there, there was also some some e-corp stuff around that too did you see the like in season one episode one there's a a poster on the side of uh -huh. a train yep. that has the e-corp logo in f corp colors yep and it also has uh, a poster that says something about heroes and villains uh -huh. and e evil always wins. Man. Yeah. This show. This show, I don't think it's going to be a flop. Like, I have so lo loved the journey here that regardless of whether the ending disappoints me or not, it's great. But it has the potential to be a masterpiece. I've never seen a show that says, oh, yeah, we've had this plan out from the beginning actually pan out. Right. Um, and it mean literally what they say. Mm -hmm. Like I think Babylon Five is often told in like terms of like that's okay. that they pretty much did that. Uh, but but Breaking Bad didn't. Like he knew where yeah. he wanted to end, but how they got there was completely they made it up season to season. Yeah, Westworld full of shit. If they're saying that they intended anything <laughs> to be the way it is, I mean that the jury's still out on that. But there's a lot of things where they say that. But like man, when you look at all of the Easter eggs that he put in season one that you wouldn't understand until like the very end of season four, I'm starting yeah. to think this crazy asshole did everything intentionally and had it all mapped out. As crazy as it sounds, you're getting me hyped. Yeah, I know. Like, you can't do this to me, man. I know. It's all going to be a dream. Ellie's going to be holding the snow globe with the all all safe office at the end. Uh huh. Yep. It's going to be Gideon. Mm hmm. All right. He's going to find uh, out what is in his mom's safe deposit box. It's going to be a snow globe. Oh, fuck. <laughs> With his apartment building in it. So I guess let's talk about the scene. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but Elliot wakes up in his apartment at 1116. Oh, wait, wait. Before that, the last crucial thing we need to talk about is Elliot finds a way to love himself. Him and Mr. Robot say they love each other before okay. the end. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also crucial. Like that might also be information that has different about Elliot this time that could be yeah. beneficial. That that he's found a way to love himself. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what if if that is in fact you know the the double Elliot thing. If one of those Elliots is in fact our Elliot mm -hmm. in that parallel universe, if any of this stuff will carry over, right? Will his experiences from whatever we want to call our 
I have a suggestion dimension. because what it looks like the dominant way to refer to this in the in the last twenty four to forty eight hours on Reddit is to refer to R. Elliot as Elliot and R. Edward as Edward uh, and R. Tyrell as Tyrell and this world as Felliot, Fedward, and Man, Firel. I'm gonna throw a fucking monkey wrench into this. Oh later, yeah, later. Is there a Frank? There's a Frank because it's his name yeah. game rules. You just leave off the F. It's just, it's yeah, just rank. Any F name really fucks with that, doesn't it? Frank. No, you just the name game rules. Oh, you it's, leave it off. You just leave. You just drop it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, maybe I've never played the, the name game. You haven't. You talking about Bo banana fanafofofim? Sure. My momim. But you go Frank. You go. You'd be Frank. 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 Bobank. Banana fanafofofank. I think. Or maybe rank. Full rank, it. yeah. Full rank. Me okay. my mo rank. That's that's an alternate universe. I don't want to get into. Uh, yes. So Elliot wakes up in his apartment. At, it is eleven sixteen on May 9th. Uh, he's entirely different. He's happy. Uh, yep. He gets ready for the day, but there's a small earthquake, and he gets a call from Angela. Did you uh, catch the magnitude on the Richter scale? Five point nine. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, how many of these references do we need? Wasn't the, wasn't there a, a clock reference to uh, the the eleven uh, uh-huh. eighteen or fifteen eleven sixteen eleven yeah. sixteen so, so people were pointing out that if you take the time eleven sixteen on a clock uh-huh. and you flip it or essentially just rotate it around one hundred eighty degrees uh-huh. it's five nine the the hands point change from eleven sixteen oh to five oh my nine. god yeah okay I, I don't know what it means and at one point Elliot's standing <laughs> under a clock with eleven sixteen on it as he's walking into the power plant mm. it, 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 so many references and at this point I'm just like yes we know there's something with eleven sixteen there's on something five, with five every, nine. it's five nine significant in the E society and uh eleven sixteen is significant on the F society. Could be. So they're they're in, they're they're the upside down yeah, hit Stranger, Stranger Things, Things theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets ready for the day. He's he's weird. He gets a call from Angela. Uh, he's they're getting married. He's got a good relationship with his father. Angela says he seems a little different. Uh, he calls his dad at the computer repair shop, and they've been planning a surprise for Angela. And Ellie goes to work at All Safe, where we find everything is turned upside down except for the rock, the constant, the thing that brings you out of your illusion. Ollie's still a douchebag. Ollie's still a massive douche. Yep. Uh, he picks up right where he left off there. And Elliot sees the White Rose is living openly as a woman and is a philanthropist, and everything seems good there. Elliot's the CEO of Allsafe. He makes a business pitch to Tyrell, who tells Elliot, look, I I think this is, this is great, but it could be awful if we play it wrong. That could destroy everything, this fragile ecosystem, like you said. Uh, Elliot says, look, I've seen what can happen to F Corp and that I can prevent it and we're we're left wondering you know and I got excited for a minute like oh my god does he it? knows but no it's just a it's just a pitch yeah they've run the scenarios yeah uh and they close this deal and then Elliot's dad congratulates him in a bar and gives him a surprise gift for Angela this this is a book uh her mom's not answering her phone and he forgot his wallet uh Elliot leaves flowers for Angela at her apartment and they chat on the phone and it seems like Elliot's super happy in this life until he arrives home, his apartment, and sees his darker half. Elliot. Elliot. If Elliot sees Elliot. End of episode. Um, so a lot to cover there. Uh, <laughs> they revealed that... This is like a 20-minute sequence. There's so many, yeah, there's so many things that they reveal. They reveal that like Darlene in this reality apparently doesn't exist. Yeah. Now, 
Some have speculated that Darlene told a story of her running away or being abducted by a crazy lady. Do you remember this? She uh-huh. told the story about being abducted and her parents eventually found her. Yep. Um, but she was kind of hoping not to be found because, you know, she felt she kind of felt special. And this tied into this this book that Elliot was giving to Darlene, this first or I'm sorry, Angela, this first uh, huh. edition of. Uh, and we've, we've this is like this keeps coming up every fucking season that from the mixed up files of Miss uh, Basil Frank Weiler uh, by E.L. Konigs- Konigsberg. Sure. Um, I have read this book back in elementary school, or more, uh, our teacher read it to us. And it's about two kids, a brother and sister, that run away and stay in a museum, the Metropolitan Museum. And this ties into Mr. Robot in various ways. Number one, a lot of characters are seen reading in the background. Mr. Robot is seen reading in the background. Angela talks about this being the inspiration for her and Elliot running away to what's uh what, what the queen's museum yeah which, yeah um that, that that served as their their um kind of like the, the reason they did that and the the core of the book is these kids find out about this mysterious donation of a statue of an angel to a museum that people think might be from michelangelo uh michelangelo michelobe angelo uh and they, the kids, like you know, research it, and they find out it was donated uh, or is is bought by uh, at some old lady's auction for like two hundred fifty bucks. And they go find her, and it turns out that she, if she challenges them to find the mystery, the the solution to the mystery in her mixed up files, and if they do it within an hour, then uh, they'll win something. And they do, and they find out that she secretly donated. She has arranged to have this priceless statue uh, given to the Met as a way to kind of support them without being, and she kind of just wanted like a secret to have in her whole life. And, uh, she was so impressed by the children's story of running away and their perseverance and figuring this out that she puts them in her will. Okay. They get the statue. What do they get? They, well, no. So they, the, that's the thing is like, there is no material reward for the kids other than I guess this rich lady will bequeath them her fortune under, under death. But the museum now knows that they have a priceless statue instead of a $250 pile of crap. Yes. I guess. Hmm. Um, I don't know. The thing is like, I, when I was reading the synopsis of the plot, I'm like, there's a lot of like the stuff that clearly, if I read the book, it probably makes sense. Or I don't know. It's a kid's book too. Um, so, what the hell? Why bring it? Why why bring it back up here? I mean, I like I got yeah. the references to the children and the brothers and sisters and running away and hiding in the museum and all that. I mean, he and Angela also kind of yeah they wanted to run away. Um, well, it's also it's, I, it's about an angel and we've already made the like Angela angel connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like know. if if so if if we probably understand it, like that's a really a parable about Darlene. And Elliot and Angela is the angel that they're kind of the mystery that they're trying to jointly figure out. That's something. Um, if also uh, that Darlene would got abducted by that kind of eccentric lady, which is kind of the you know Miss Basil Frank Weiler um, yeah. of the story. Um, that maybe that's that, that it's not that Elliot's only child that she just uh, they're, they're, her sister his sister went missing, mm-hmm. but like. That didn't make sense to me because, like, why would Angela tell like, 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 if I knew you well enough to know you had a brother that got abducted when you were like nine years old, yeah, I wouldn't ever refer to you as an only child. That would be which pretty implies fucking tactless. That she doesn't know, or maybe which it, implies that either Elliot hasn't told her, which I don't think is true in that 
version right. of the world. So it implies that Elliot doesn't know, which implies that if he does have a sister, his parents never told him, but he's the older brother, so I would think he yeah. would remember yeah. having a younger sister. Yeah, and Darlene's pretty young, but I still think you would remember having a sister. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that's that's everything I know about the story, yeah. and I don't think there's a really a, a popular theory about how it fits in or how it has predictive value for what's to come. No, I was sort of disappointed when I looked into Tolstoy's uh, Resurrection as well, mm -hmm. because that was the book that was sitting on uh, Elliot's desk in the interview room, and we've seen Mr. Robart reading it before, and mm -hmm. the only real tie-in seems to be the title. It's about the, the injustice of man-made laws and like... Somebody a Tolstoy book, really? somebody trying to right a wrong, which I guess broadly, mm -hmm. thematically, that plays into Mr. Robot, but like specifically, mm. I I wasn't seeing the connection. Uh, so the other so the other mystery that we have is that um, his his father Fedward is missing his phone. Uh, Elliot uh -huh. misses his wallet. Um, and wait, Elliot Elliot misses his wallet. Okay, and uh, parents. <laughs> Uh, were staying at their house, and uh, apparently Elliot, our Elliot, visited Angela's house to, to get something out of there because he picked up the phone, heard Elliot on the phone, dropped the glass he was holding or whatever, shattered it, and cut his hand. Maybe okay. What is Angela's father's name in this universe? I phony. No, no, no. We know what it is in the other universe. What is it? Who's Angela's father? Uh, oh shit! Yeah, you're right. How do Price. how do you modify F Philip? <laughs> I'm lost. You're right. I'm confused. It's Philip, but it's spelled with a F instead of right. PH. So Philip with the hard F, the Philip. It's Philip. Philip. Yeah, you don't want to you want to soften it with that PH. He's want a hard. Right. Philip. Uh, sorry, I totally derailed you with my <laughs> stupid joke. <laughs> no, that's I, that's entirely appropriate. The name game breaks down. You found you found, found the, the exact case. place where it, it, it sunk under its own weight. Yeah, White Rose Utopia doesn't work. Um, yeah. So, so what? The, what? So, I like. Is there any other possibilities except for R. Elliot doing some kind of identity hack on Feliot, or some kind of? Because like I said, I, I, I'm, a, I'm guessing that R. Elliot is the one that stole the wallet, stole the phone, and oh, okay. cased Angela's joint because... Right. Because um, I was going if like he went to Angela's house first because that's like if you found yourself in a different dimension, maybe he goes to his apartment mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, sees that it's like completely different or whatever. Then he goes to Angela's apartment and then he starts putting two and two together and then he goes to his dad's old shop location. But like I think the way the timing works out is... He kind of hit his dad first, hmm. then Angela's, then then he lifted his own wallet. But to what end? I don't know. Like, what is he yeah. trying to prove? What's he trying to... I don't know. Also, if you look at the screen uh, that that is up when uh, Feliot meets Elliot mm -hmm. at the very end, mm -hmm. uh, there seems to be a F Society mask on the screen. Mm. There's Elliot in a hoodie on the screen. Mm -hmm all things that are remnants of the, the Elliot universe we know. There was a theory that got debunked pretty quickly um, that I guess Elliot had a similar model cell phone in the first season, like an iPhone that had a crack screen, and people were wondering if it was the exact same phone, but I guess it's not the same model and the crack pattern is different too. So someone is like, oh, this is the thing that survives the okay. dimensional trips or whatever. But phones? Yeah. Yeah. It's all in the phones, man. It, only iPhones, though. 
Only iPhones. If you don't have an iPhone, it's not going to survive a dimensional trip. But that's the thing. Elliot's now an Android man, so he's fucked. That's true. Should have kept. Yeah. He should have kept the Android contract through season <laughs> one, man. Uh, okay, let me throw the monkey wrench. I, I mentioned the monkey wrench earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to throw it now because I think I have an idea that sort of piggybacks on the the theory that this is all in Elliot's head. Okay, and that these are. Feliot and Elliot are two, are perhaps the second and third, or first and third, or first and second, who the fuck knows, the altars. Mm-hmm. If you remember back to, I think it's episode nine of this season, mm-hmm. um, the opening is uh, Mr. Robot going to visit uh, his wife and young Elliot in... Uh, Magda and and young Elliot in that boardroom, right? Mm-hmm. And he, they talk about like, oh, when are we going to tell Elliot? When are we, when are we going to tell him? Um, we should have told him already. Young Elliot wants to tell him. Mister yeah. Ross says, not ready, not ready. Right. Uh, and and they eventually land on like, I'm going to show him what he did in mm-hmm. order to sort of make make all of this make sense to him. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm thinking. I think that when they're talking about an Elliot there. They're talking about Feliot, and that Elliot is actually the third here, uh, and that Feliot sort of the antithesis of what we thought that there's an angry Elliot that lashes out at people, right? He's and got a normal Elliot inside. Crazy things, right? He's got this normal Elliot, and telling him what he did is telling him about the five nine hack that you you are because he's got missing time there. I, I I'm trying to I'm just trying to connect the dots on like who they could be talking about and how that switcheroo could be like mind blowing. So this is the world you could have had but you threw it away because it doesn't track us. Yeah, like what is what what's the 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 answer there? Like hey, you shouldn't have rocked a boat because like look at like he's essentially got Gideon's life, right? And you know, mm-hmm. Gideon died as a result like like look at all these nice middle class people that got hurt because you tried to strike a blow against the 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 1% of the 1%. That's kind of a disheartening moral well, and they also say the like oh he hasn't woken up but we've been with elliot the entire series elliot's been awake the whole series yeah it's, it's the third that has not woken up right yeah so the thirds that we've seen we've seen a potential angry elliot uh-huh. we've seen definitely this alternate universe elliot feliot mm-hmm. um who seems to be happy and well adjusted and i feel like Showing him what he did could only really apply to someone who hasn't done things that are worse, right? Or hasn't done those things himself. And I. But what is the end game? I, there? I don't think you show angry Elliot what mm-hmm. Elliot has done, mm-hmm. um, and it, it makes a difference to him. And I think Elliot knows what an angry Elliot would have done if he did mm-hmm. the five nine hack. Like that's mm-hmm. not a surprise to him, but it would be to Feliot. Yeah, and there's also this weird reversal where like it feels like Elliot and Tyrell switch places emotionally and tonally, if not like position wise. Because El- you know Tyrell's still okay. the place where Tyrell's at. Well, I guess he's now the CEO, isn't he? Of E Corp, yeah. Of F Corp. Oh, sorry, F Corp. Yes. Um, and and he's, it's Tyrell, and he's the CEO of all 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 safe. Uh huh. Yeah, I just like so. I think you're right. There's something to that. This is something that Mr. Robot is doing to try to get a reaction out of one or more Elliot personas. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the end game is because and, I and like, is it coming too late? Like, right? Are like, they gonna die here in a nuclear meltdown? Yeah. And this is just well, Mr. Robot saying, "Okay, now's the time." Well, someone also pointed out that like 
to what extent does Mr. Robot get to control the things that, that Elliot sees and experiences? Yeah. Because he's the one that opens the door and says, oh, my God, everything's in a fire in here and then shuts the door. Uh-huh. Like there's one of the theories that like kind of is along the lines of this is uh, almost like a ghost of Christmas future. Like Mr. Robot guiding Elliot through like, look how bad you'll fuck up the life of everyone. Sure. Um, is that he he's putting this isn't a false. But I don't know, man, because White Rose shot herself in the head. Mm-hmm. There's bodies all over Washington. Like, there's there's a limit to how much this can be in his head. It seems to me. Like, I guess that's the that's the one danger I have on the show. It's like it'll be so much in its its head that like almost all of the emotional and character journey that we've been on is going to be seen as kind of a moot point or gets reset. And I don't know. That can be satisfying too. Like like I, I used the Memento movie example. Like that's a guy mm-hmm. where you know the character itself literally didn't make any progress. But that's kind of the point, like the world f- fulcrumed around him or something. I don't know. It's a weird, not happy ending, happy ending. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I guess, I guess the the question then that I have sort of following on to the idea that this would all be in Elliot's head mm-hmm. and it's not an alternate dimension is, did White Rose just actually kill herself? Because like, I don't recall her ever having to kill herself to show Angela what she did but because never Angela was to, buying in. We never got the full pitch from Angela. We saw the beginning right. of like her sitting down and taking the pitch seriously and the next thing we saw her uh you know she was she was back in her home and like the time skipped. There's also but a she lot also of... took the bait. Like she took the bait of her mother or sorry her father coming back. No, her her mother coming back. Uh she took that bait and she was all in and she wanted to see what White Rose right. had to offer whereas Elliot very much doesn't. But I'm thinking like that's if 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 that was the thing that seals the deal for everyone. But I don't know because there's also after Angela became a true believer, she has this um, meeting with um, uh, uh, the 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 car salesman Irving. Irving, yeah. Where she asks him, "Have you seen White Rose's project and does it work?" And he says, "Yes, I've seen it." And she says, "Does it work?" And he goes, "Ah, uh, you know, technology, the advancements people make, anything's possible." Which is a great non-answer answer. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you've seen it, motherfucker. Is it possible or not? Um, and I guess if Angela had seen it at that point, why would she ask that? Right. But so and if like White Rose had shot herself in the head and then presumably been back later, why would she say so? Like, but she immediately comes. She immediately after whatever White Rose shows her yeah. in whatever fashion she shows it to her, goes to her lawyer and says, call off this this lawsuit that we've got yep. going on. Yeah. So she was convinced of whatever it was yeah, no, then and there. The next two episodes got to be a hell of a sh- two hours of television <laughs> because yeah. all this stuff is going to sift into one column or another. So yep. we don't have long to wait. Yeah, uh, that's about all I got. I really don't have a good answer as no. to what next. I don't think two anyone. There's be. not like a runaway pet theory that everyone's got. Yeah. Like there's several different flavors. Like I think we've outlined the three different ways it can be. It's all in the head. It's a simulation, or it's an alternate d- dimension. Or there's a fourth truly explosive outcome that we haven't even begun to ponder. Yeah, that Sam Esmail has been had in his back pocket the because all the time. all the looping and stuff is essentially variations of those right. main themes. Like you know, is yep. it time travel? Is it a dimensional loop? Is it you know uh, an intrusive memory loop. he's stuck in? Like they're mm-hmm. all similar mechanics with like different like underlying causes. So, and my feeling going into the final episode is I'm kind of open to whatever this show is going to do as long as it does it well and as long as it can convince me that the time has been worth it. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think it doesn't have very far to run with that baton mm-hmm. because my time has very much felt worth it throughout the series. Uh, you were critical of some of the pop choices they made in last week's episode. What do you think of this episode score? Better. Better. Yeah. Uh, consciously a lot more like wall-to-wall mm-hmm. licensed music, though. Like, it's yeah. much more noticeable than it's been. Like, I feel like it's not that Mr. Robot never uses noticeable licensed music, but it's mm-hmm. like once an episode or so. Um, this was like, I felt like 30% of it was scored by some kind of pop tune or yeah, the tone beach boy throwback didn't really feel as off to me. Like, I guess it, it, okay. So here's the thing. I was unsettled in both of these episodes, but I was Mm -hmm. unsettled in a way that felt inauthentic with the Darlene Dom stuff because I did not believe Irving when he says everything is happy and, and dark army doesn't care about you and everything's fine. And you, you've got a happily ever after here. I just fundamentally didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Here, I, I'm I'm not stuck in that. the 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 scene that unsettled me is White Rose and or, or or sorry, White Rose is like whatever she showed Elliot. This alternate dimension. I felt very kind of untethered during this whole thing. Like, what what am I seeing? It felt it felt incongruous with everything I knew, but it wasn't like oh, that music just didn't fit the tone of Mr. Robot Mm -hmm. as I know it. Or like it just, it was giving, the music wasn't giving me false notes here. It was just, the music was a piece of what they were doing Mm -hmm. uh, in those weird scenes as opposed to one where I was supposed to, I guess, take it on face value. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with it this time. All right. That OK Go song. That's that's kind of a banger anyway. Yeah, no, like I said, all the songs I thought were catchy or thematically appropriate. Yeah. but then I didn't have as big a Carly Ray, uh, <laughs> Carly Ray uh, meltdown as, as you did last week. Sure. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest, and while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live.
Are we ready to get to feedback, man? Let's do it. All right. Uh, you can send feedback to Robot at Bald Move. Reminder, next week, it's Christmas. We are not coming on the 25th to to wrap up Mr. Robot. We will be coming in on the following Monday Yeah. Uh, to, to wrap up the two-episode extravaganza and also consider extra-long feedback, whatever we need to do, because it'll be the series wrap-up mm-hmm. of Mr. Robot. Um, yeah, that's... It might be a seven-hour podcast. I, I don't know. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, what we've been averaging long podcast of late. So uh, let's move on to robotaballmove.com. So where you want to send the feedback? Let's move to Dan from Connecticut. Last week, Mr. Robot invented a non-existent rest stop in a fictional dam in Hamden, Connecticut. It might be a reference to the most significant dam in Hamden, Connecticut, at the former Eli Whitney. Uh, gun factory site. Whitney was an inventor responsible for two paradigm shifts in American society. The cotton gin that changed the national economy so dramatically it fractured our country because uh, that's what uh, I think uh, like uh, slavery was on its way out and suddenly that made it profitable again. Hmm. And the idea of interchangeable components and manufactured goods. The site is now home to the Whitney Water Purification Facility and Park, among other things. The landmark building has attracted national attention both for the striking appearance and the underlying technology. While it's unlikely that Esmail was referencing the current treatment facility, I think the Hamden rest stop was a small homage to Eli Whitney. The Hamden connections are deeper than just the allusions to Whitney. The creator of ALF, Mr. Paul Fusco, was also born in New Haven, Connecticut, and reportedly developed ALF while working in Hamden. Um, our first robot uh, road trip featured Alf and our two visits, our second visits was his birthplace. All right. I, like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that has any kind of predictive power or like, uh, why he would want to hint that. I, I can see definitely the Eli Whitney, you know, like being a huge part of like the industrial revolution and also inadvertently uh, prolonging the the horrors of slavery mm-hmm. as something that Esmail would like to play with. But beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Armando, since day one, White Rose slash the Dark Army has been a troublesome partner and existential threat to Elliot and everything and everyone he cares about. Also, since day one, everyone's known that the Washington Township Project was her Reason d'etre. How do you say that? Reason for being. <laughs> okay. That's how you say it. Let's say that. Also, since also since day one, everyone's known that the Washington Township Project was her reason for being, for which no number of dollars or lives were too much to pay. How is it possible that E-Dog knows minutia about his therapist's sex life and simultaneously have zero knowledge of or curiosity about White Rose's elephant in the White Township living room? If only to have leverage on her, you'd think he'd want to know something. He knows they killed Angela, Cisco, Trenton, Mobley, and have long been wanting to kill him and Darlene. A little research on what she seems up to is way, way, way in order. Folks have told to me in response, well, Elliot just doesn't know what the project is. Bullshit. He's supposed to help with the Congo move. How's he going to help to do that with zero details? I smell a big reveal or massive plot hole. My hope is that the third altar is down and deep with White Rose's machine somehow and has kept it secret from both Elliot and Mr. Robot. If the reason that he's dealing with it now is because he just found out Angela wanted him to, or is it's the last thing on his to-do list, I'm punching Esmail in the nuts. What do you guys think? I mean... You're not wrong. I don't see how you move an entire project not knowing the scope of yeah, the project. Especially since like your whole character arc has been one succession of well-meaning fuck-ups that have caused more misery and death than you were trying to prevent after another. Mm-hmm. So 
it did seem weird to me that he gets a thumb drive with a couple PDFs on the inner workings of a nuclear plant. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to I got to do this. But I was also I felt like the episode did a pretty good job to have part of Elliot raise that concern, too. Like, when is it? you know, when is it ever going to be enough? Like mm. you say, it's this power plant, but then what are you going to find out when there's a B site in the Congo? Yeah. And what are you going to f- find out when they're making dinosaurs on a Costa Rican Island? Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to do? I-, I guess like the show itself is kind of cri- criticizing Elliot for like never knowing when to stop with yeah. his fucking around. It is. I, I, I guess I understood that to be a, like the the emailer to be questioning how Elliot could get these things done and still remain in a state where he knew nothing of the project's nature hmm. and that he would have to be shown that's what yeah no I, what what she's talking about yeah. so like i i i come down on yeah i agree with the the emailer there do you think that it's something that they kept hidden from him in much the same way that part of him filtered out all his bodies and bloody mayhem that he walked through like it keep him focused his eyes on the prize could be but why what what part of Elliot like I still don't understand I still don't quite understand Elliot's value to White Rose overall and why she's kept him alive so long she reiterated their importance um, in their like joinness of the time in their time stream but why but what yeah. is the connection what is it like I understand okay it's maybe this okay. moment it's maybe so I saw a pretty interesting theory pointing out that like everyone that gets into the F society or the F corp world kills the or dies has to die to get there. Okay, and that we know uh, White Rose asserted that Edward Alderson was a volunteer subject for her one of the initial volunteer subjects for her program, mm-hmm. and it seems like a father who is racked from guilt because he's preyed on his child would want to wake up in a world where he was free of this compulsion or whatever to deal it and like that that would lead him to volunteer to, to, to die and go to this better world mm-hmm. is there anything there that's germane to this that like uh, probably but but i mean i've known that there there is something for a very long mm-hmm. time i just don't know what the thing is it's like Elliot's uh, relationship with her project. He knows there's some project. He just doesn't know what it is. Hmm. Well, but that that would be, I guess, why she feels connected to Elliot. Like mm-hmm. that his father might be the first volunteer subject, and now the son is. And here she says playing. the same to Angela. Like I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. why you're still alive. Like the, uh-huh. the, I predicted you'd be dead. Things are swirling around your life and my life, and they're connected. Yeah. Which yeah, kind of leans you toward like Washington Township is important to Elliot. Because yeah, I, I don't think like because like I don't think that she maneuvered events where Elliot was important to her. I think Elliot mm-hmm. happened to be in her path and she found that fascinating. Yeah, because of the connection to her father. I guess that's where I was going with the, you know, the dad being a volunteer guinea pig for that. Okay. Um, all right, Scott from Chicago. Did you guys catch the Elliot White Rose Washington Township scene ended with the screen fading to orange? Perhaps a ode to stanley kubrick's a clockwork orange mm, that i thought pretty, it was red yeah i'm i'm that's looking pretty red unless this 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 uh, windscreen on my mic is orange in which case my whole life has been a lie i mean you got you got so much red black and white in mr robot it's yeah. kind of the the colors of mr robot um i do think that like it faded to red but then his apartment looked very orangey 
in the early goings, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's not above biting on Kubrick, clearly, yeah. but I don't think that was an instance of it. Scott, uh, he continues, also when Elliot ta- walked into the Washington Township Plants office, it appeared the hallway scenes that the rooms were numbered into 400s. Could this mean anything in terms of the 400 error codes? Hmm. Could be something to explore. Um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it. Uh, I could see that being something that Esmail is uh, playing with. Also, I noticed that when the new e, uh, Elliot walked into F Corp, there was a vase of white roses on the reception desk. Is this a sign that she's still in charge? I think it's clear that like whether she's evil or virtuous, as the richest woman in the er- world, she is still some somewhat behind the scenes pulling the strings of F Corp. Sure, seems to me. Uh, also, any chance that unknown customer walked into Mr. Aldrin's shop and left was Vera? Nah, I think uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, R. Elliot, not Felliot, but Elliot. People are uh, saying they can't wait until we see uh, Mayor Vera uh, <laughs> running the articles town. in the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> I think that'd be pretty funny. Back well, I mean, he died. Life. He he crossed the threshold. So true. Very uh, true. It might might be the machine Get- was on then. The what? The machine. The, machine, been on, the yeah. machine's been on this whole time. This whole time. There also it's um so what do you make of the connection between the earthquakes and the headaches and the power surges? Because we know that this machine requires a lot of power and whenever Angela experienced like time distortions, there was always like a brown localized brownout. Mm-hmm. That has to be a connection too. I agree. Yeah. But Don't know what, what it means. Yeah. Um Gabe D. I heard you mention that Sam Esmail said that this two-part series finale is essentially where the original film screenplay would have taken us had that iteration been made. That said, it would also make sense that there being two Elliots would be inherent to its inventional endgame. As you've mentioned before, Rami has an identical twin brother named Sammy. <laughs> Was casting someone with an identical twin part of the plan from the jump? Oh, boy. Seems like way more than a happy accident that this is where the story has taken us. Um I don't know because there's been so much just jaw dropping twin work on like Fargo season three, all of the deuce, like some of the shit they got up to with um, the, the Frankie and Vinny uh, and on season three, the deuce was incredible. Yeah. Like smashing cake in each other's faces, hugging. It's, 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 I mean, it's gone a long ways from, you know, cheating, cheating mirrored halves of cameras and stuff oh yeah so i i don't i I, so what do you think do you think it's plausible that they would hire an actor that has a identical twin or they would just use special effects uh i mean they certainly could use special effects but i feel like if they ever thought about it it was probably in terms of like all this will really fuck with the audience Mm. when they discover this (laughs) yeah I, i don't think we're gonna see sammy Sammy Malik. Plus, Sammy's like, like I said, I've noticed that he's like a little uh, thicker. Not necessarily, I'm not saying he's fat. I mean, he's just like a little bit fuller in the face, yeah. a little bit uh, maybe beefier in a, of a build. And I, mean, I, I think, think it'd be noticeable. Side by side, it would be noticeable. Yeah. More so than the CG work they could do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Tom, the therapist from Atlanta, stopping by again. And, uh, you know, he'd previously praised what he thought the psychological realism of some of the sequences in this season. Um, but he says he's writing to say that Elliot's epic telling off of White Rose felt somewhat flat for him. Hmm. Says Elliot's magnum opus amounts to this. There are people who will continue to love you even though you hurt them and push them away and punish them for loving you. That's why the worth is world is worth saving. 
That's true, and there's a name for it. It's called, hmm, let me think here. I had it. Hmm. Oh, yes, right. Codependency. You're going to try and save the world of the pro-codependency argument and that the people that are codependent and put up with you punishing them are worth saving, but everyone else can go fuck themselves? Not today, Elliot. I ain't buying it. And I think a show that seemingly was so good at telling stories about addiction and psychology should know the dangers of praising and enabling behaviors and potentially shaming boundary-setting behaviors with people who are hurting you. Man, that's not what I got from that. I Me got a, a feeling of generosity, a feeling of yeah. love, a feeling of, of empathy and caring. Yeah, it's kind of like... As opposed um, to a, a parasitic relationship. Yeah, like uh, I think there's a way to have love for... Uh, like like in the, I'm thinking the arc of the bubbles went on in The Wire where like, you know, mm. when he's such a such a inverterate heroin addict that he like steals from everyone and in fact when he's uh, like at a rock bottom he goes to stay with, wants to stay with his sister and she refuses because the last few times she's allowed him to do so he's uh uh stolen from her yeah. so she find after he gets him his act cleaned up to a certain extent she agrees to let him stay in her basement but she locks the top door so he can't get access to the rest of her house and the final scene of the series is Bubbles walking up that door and open going through that open door because she ha- he has demonstrated enough trust that you know she's she's built that back up and allowed her back in her life and i think what they're going at is not that like Darlene just puts up with anything that Elliot does like it seems like she does hold him accountable and she mm-hmm. does make him apologize and he has to make amends it's more of like you know you always have to leave that door somewhat cracked. Maybe you can lock it for a time, but if a person makes sincere changes and you love them unconditionally, then I guess you should always be rooting for them and be ready to take them back when they start making those positive changes. Yeah, and they're they're espousing two sort of competing worldviews, the, the mm-hmm. cynical one and the more empathetic and, uh, I don't know, upbeat one. Because, uh, you know, that person could in a less caring world just sort of write you off right. and i think that's what so many people have done to elliot right they've either abused him sure. they've written him off they want nothing to do with him he's not worth the effort and, and i think and, the and difference you, between those people and darlene is she cares and you can't love or care for anyone if you don't love and care for yourself and like this you know if nothing else elliot at this point in the story has learned to accept at least a large some part of himself he's yeah. he's learned to love the mr robot Part of him and the Mr. And Robot did part of him has learned to live through love the love that other people showed to him. He right. wouldn't have been able to do it without that. Right. Um, and like Darlene said, like you're not so bad once you stop being an asshole. So like mm-hmm. there's the recognition that like it's he's made some he's made some strides too. So right. uh, that's how way I see it anyway. Uh, last up is Mask. And his his being an asshole was a reaction to the way he had been treated by people. Sure. No, I mean he's like, got yeah, everything down to like his his psyche fracturing. Yeah. into these multiple personalities because of the trauma he experienced. Yeah, these are all adaptive things the hands he, of he learned as a child to protect people. himself from trauma, like yeah. from the multiple personalities to the disassociation to, you know, the compartmentalization he does mentally and emotionally. It's it's all stuff that, uh, you know, he, he had to come up with just to survive, so... Uh, anyway, Mask has the last email saying, I loved how they use every music track just perfectly. Agreed. If people weren't sure about Rami's talent before, oh my god, that monologue. Wow. Uh, did Rami get anything on the the Golden Globes? Yeah, or he got he? nominated for Best Actor in a Drama. Okay, cool. But the show itself did not. Nothing. Okay, well. 
Uh, no. no supporting actors, no nothing. I think. I, that's the other thing is like, man, B.D. Wong. I know. Phenomenal. Not even get a nomination. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Darlene, uh, Carly Shaken's been doing some great yeah. work. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great television. There's a lot of great work being done all yes, around. It's, it's true. But still, award shows. They suck, right? They do. Uh, the most beautiful thing is how Esmail changed the framing colors, character interactions in a new world. Instead of what we already know from him, a weird framing to dark tones, it's really refreshing to see how he's telling a story from a cinematography standpoint. I thought it was interesting. Um, when I got to Zima, I actually watched a lot of the first episode while I was taking my notes to see. It's Sam Raimi, it's not like 99% of the time he uses the extreme angles and shots and stuff. It's because like a lot of times when you have a conversation, it's pretty traditional A, B, A, B kind of like footage. Um, but what definitely has changed in the F society or the E society F corp world is that they've removed the matrix kind of blue green filter and everything has got a much warmer palette. Yeah, for sure. And they were, they, people, and I I didn't, I didn't confirm this, but people are pointing out that there was points where like when he was digging the glass out of the trash that maybe the filter was back in place and maybe that's trying to tell you something about the nature of the reality. And I mean, there were a lot of more obvious moments. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah, like I mean, when the E, the e Corp right, switches to F Corp. Yeah. for Fs and like yeah. just, yeah, the incongruities in the whole right. situation. Uh, and that's where we're going to leave you until after right. Christmas. Again, we'll be back not next week, but the following week on Monday to record the episode for the final two episodes, which are going to air as a single block this Sunday. Uh, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to hear what everybody thinks of it. It's going to be interesting to see all these Schrodinger theories collapse into a bunch of boxes of dead cats and one live one. (laughs) And hopefully it's the prettiest, cutest of the litter. We'll see. Because it would be amazing for... Yeah, it'd be qualifying something I've never seen before. A show this meticulously plotted, apparently from the beginning, sticking the landing and being very satisfying. That Mm -hmm. would be amazing, and I'm rooting for it. Same here. So robot at baldmove.com. When you got your hot takes, you want to send them in to us. We'll see you after Christmas. Until then, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, talk to you next week after next. Bye. Bye.